YouTube has literally changed the world. Can't state that more clearly or emphatically. Imagine the idea of anybody putting anything they shoot online and anybody in the world can see it. And that is exactly what's happened. And it's changed the dynamic of what it means to be a celebrity because people on YouTube now doing all kinds of crazy things are massive monster celebrities. Everybody knows PewDiePie. Everybody knows the story of the money he makes and the people that view his videos. But there are popular videos with millions and millions of viewers doing the craziest, wackiest things on YouTube. And yet, those people can now make a living putting themselves on YouTube, sharing videos with each other. But there's something interesting about that. Even though somebody like a lot of the guests that I'm gonna to talk to today have millions and millions of fans, wild, engaged fans, the business of celebrity, the business of Hollywood, the business of products doesn't view YouTube the same way they view other celebrity. And I cannot figure that out because they connect to more people than television stars. They're more accessible than movie stars. And they generate unbelievable amounts of income. And yet, they're still the sort of lowest grade of celebrity in the general sort of consensus around our media world. And today I'm gonna to get to the bottom of that and dive into what it's like to be in YouTube as a legitimate business, as it's the only job you have, is, is putting yourself out there on YouTube. And I'm gonna to talk to some great guests. My first guest is YouTube megastar, Matt Centuro. He primarily does list videos. 10 fascinating facts about YouTube you didn't He's know. got more than six million subscribers and he's about to cross one billion video views. And I want to talk to him about making a living as a YouTuber exclusively. I've also got in the studio with me the one and only Freddie Wong. The YouTube filmmaking legend with his rocket jump team, he's amassed more than 10 million subscribers and nearly 2 billion video views. What? He is renowned as a superstar success filmmaker and a creator. And it's all been directly attributed to YouTube. So what I want to talk to him about is the difference between being a YouTube creator and a mainstream media creator and the crossover that's missing there. He has got some fascinating insight. Uh, this is a good one. I'm Brant Pimvidic. This is why I'm not a YouTube star. Why? 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 I'm not. I'm not. Why? I'm not. Why? I'm not. Why? I'm not. Why? Welcome to Why I'm Not with Brant Pimvidic the podcast that explores the latest trends, fads, beliefs, and addictions from all sides and tries to remind you, before you judge it, try to understand it. After that, you're on your own. This week, Why I'm Not a YouTube Star. And now, from AfterBuzz Studios, here's your host, Brant Vinvidic. This is the Why I'm Not podcast. I'm Brant Vinvidic. This is the podcast where I take all the wild, crazy, interesting fads that are out there today, dissect them, and try to figure out why I don't understand them. Usually what I've figured out is if I don't understand something, doesn't mean that the thing isn't good. It usually means that I might be the dumbass and not the righteous one. And when I speak of the righteous one, as always, my co-host to my left, the one and only Roxy Strayer. How are you today? Super righteous. Are you ready for some YouTube talk? I am. This is one of my favorite ones so far. I'm a That's big good. YouTube fan. All right, so Roxy, let me ask you. I want to get right into this. Okay? Yes. So you're sort of a social media fiend. You are a public personality. You have many, 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 many fans. 
why aren't you a YouTuber? Why are you a Twitterer and a Facebooker and an Instagrammer, but not a YouTuber? I don't have my own YouTube channel, which is why I wouldn't consider myself a YouTuber. I am part of many different companies' YouTubes. So The Tomorrow Show, which has a YouTube, Screen Junkies, After Buzz TV, all of the places with YouTube, I do different content for them. But because I'm a freelancer and I don't have YouTube.com slash Roxy Stryer where I pump out content, I wouldn't consider myself a YouTuber. Okay, I believe that. The question is, why aren't you doing that? Why don't you do that? It seems like with what you're doing in the public persona and building a brand for the Roxy brand, that would be a natural progression. And it feels like a, something that you've purposely not done. I've Why? asked myself that a, a lot of times. And what I find is somebody who is an actress, a writer, a host, all of these things, it's a very easy way to pigeonhole yourself into something when you are pumping out content that may or may not be good on your own YouTube channel where you are the only person who has control over it. And that is a scary place to be and also not a place that I necessarily want to live. Right. It's true, right? Yeah. It's scary as hell. It's definitely scary. And if it has your name on it, it's you. Yeah. And so you, it better be good. And if you don't have the time to make that good, right? then I suggest not trying it. This is exactly this is exactly what I was thinking. And it sort of dovetails into my sort of story time. Shall I tell you a little story? I need to okay. hear. So as most people know or don't know, I, I made a second follow-up film to my Facebook, Why I'm Not a Facebook movie. It was called Why I'm Not a Pokemon Go. I loved it, by the way. Well, thank you Both very of much. Them. Thank You're you, thank welcome. you. Um, now, what was interesting was is that was a short film that we were going to distribute online and whatnot. And one of the key pieces of it was YouTube. And so I fought tooth and nail to try to find another way to distribute it somewhere because I'm thinking to myself, if I put this on YouTube, it will literally be the example of how this film does. My first film went around the world and went on TV all over the place, but nobody really knows what that means. It did well in France and Belgium and stuff like that, but who cares? Nobody knows. You know, it's on Amazon Prime here. It's on it's on iTunes, which is cool, but no one really knows, comparatively speaking, how well it is. You judge it on the merits. But once that thing hits YouTube... It was literally the most apprehensive I think I have been in my career in, I, I can't even tell you how long it was. And it was because once we went live, it was like, okay, well, how many people is going to be? And, and I have to be honest, my expectation for that film was about 5,000 views. Because, not because I actually thought that that's how good it was going to be or that's what it was, but because I was so terrified that it was going to ruin my life emotionally if it didn't perform that I needed to get my sort of expectations as low as low as possible so i was like okay i'm gonna say to everybody that it's five thousand views is my goal which and I was, by the way for a normal person if you weren't somebody in the industry five thousand right. views would be a nice amount of views that's yeah. a, that's a good number yes my kids would have gone crazy for five thousand views and so i could tell the people in my office were like oh may maybe we'll get some more and i was like no 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 five thousand is our number let's just there and so then in my brain I was like man I hope I get to 10 or 15 like 5 is not really enough but and it, I literally when we went live I was literally for I don't know how many days just like click refresh click refresh and I was thinking well if I'm clicking and refreshing maybe that counts as a view and like and it was the most sort of insecure feeling as you're putting it out there now, you know, the movie ended up doing relatively well, and I was super excited, and it crossed 100,000, and it was a celebration. Then it's like, could have hit 250, and 250, and then it hit 500, and it's almost 700 now. But 
it, which is still very, very small in the scale of things. And, and I've had viral videos now do millions and millions. And you're like, oh, that's how easy it is or difficult or random. Um, but it is different when you put yourself out there on YouTube. It's hard because you want to share it so that it gets more views, but you don't want to share it because then people know it exists. That's right. And then they know how many views it possibly could get. So I understand yeah. why you would lower the bar for yourself, but congratulations well. because that's a huge victory that you got to your 5,000. Yeah, I and, got my 5,000. And yeah. a little more. Yeah, a little bit and more. And a little extra. Yeah. And that's amazing. Yeah, so it was, it was good, but it's just I, I still – you know, in our business, those YouTube celebrities and the people that do that and put out millions of hits, they're not respected in the same way of celebrity, of fame, of achievement. It just doesn't translate. And so when you when you look at those, let's let's just take a random one, the, the unboxings, right? You have kids that unbox toys or people that unbox things, and they will literally get a million views on every single video they put out. Wild. Which is amazing, and it's more than, than I'm going to say, 95% of the television shows on the air today don't get that, not even close. And you have people doing makeup tutorials, you have people doing hair things, you have people doing the pranks, you have all that stuff. And, you know, a friend of mine is Lance210, and he does pranks and goodies, and he was big on Vine, and he puts his YouTube vlog up every day, and it's like a million viewers. And it's like, they have a better connection with the audience a thousand million times better than I do as a producer, but they have a better connection with the audience than NBC does on all of their channels combined, basically. Why is there a separation? It's interesting because when we did Why I'm Not a Reality Star, I think that we learned about why some people don't respect that because maybe they don't necessarily have a skill, a right. talent. On YouTube, a lot of these people have real marketable skills they're yes. incredible makeup artists they're athletes they play the guitar they're doing things they're teaching you things so you would think that that would be respected but you're absolutely right it doesn't seem to be no and it, 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 you know what i what i talk about in in my sort of company my business and and my talking points have always been and i'm not sure if it's if it's real or it's just something that sounds good when i'm trying to convince a piece of talent to join my sort of foray into the next tv pitch but what i say is that you know television has a layer of credibility it has a barrier to entry youtube and online has no barrier to entry you can put up a video tomorrow i can put up a video christian can put up a video and so no one's gauging the quality of what you do to give you a stamp of approval saying you have excelled at, an, at a rate that we choose you right Whereas on television, to get a television show on the air about yourself or being in it, somebody has to say, we choose you, we respect you, we value you, we've chosen you, we've invested in you. And now, audience, be a part of them because we believe in them. And there's something about the credibility that comes with that sort of selection process that culturally people still buy into even people who don't watch TV. Like, my kids would understand that, and they don't watch TV anymore. What's interesting about that, though, Brant, is that the selection process is so muddied, and I don't think people realize it's not one person choosing you. It's people fighting against yeah. you and for you. Yeah. And sometimes you make it on the air, and really the casting director didn't like you, his assistant didn't like you, the network just thought you were marketable. So... Why is that more credible if you have potentially a better look or you're more hipster that month and that's what they needed? Why is that? I, I don't know. And i got to be honest. 
I find what the YouTube generation does and does well overwhelmingly daunting in the fact that I don't do YouTube as part of my company all that much. Now we do some digital stuff, but usually I do digital stuff that looks like traditional television. When I look at those people putting themselves out there and getting millions of views as their family or their funds or their friends with their grandmas or doing pranks or whatever, and I say to myself, like, I don't know that I could make that. And I'm supposed to be, you know, a creative guy that does this for a living. And it's like, if I quit my job and got, gave up my company and said, all I'm going to do is be a YouTuber and be a YouTube star, I have zero confidence that I could do that. And it, how is that possible? I spent the last 15 years studying the craft of storytelling, studying the craft of, of, of making good characters and putting things in front of an audience. And I don't think I could do that if I had to do, go directly to my audience. I need a buffer of like network executives and then advertisers and then uh, eight o'clock time slot. So if it doesn't work, I can blame it on the lead in and all of those bullshit things. And it's like, I just don't have any confidence in my ability to give the audience what they want. Not only Is that weird? no, it's not weird and not only maybe could you not do that, but a 12-year-old girl might be better suited to do it. I'm, somebody who has never taken a class on this, somebody who has no idea what it's like to write, somebody who doesn't even know when she is telling jokes, she might be better suited for this job I, than you. I know. All right, so let's get to our guests today. I want to get to the bottom of this and and I want to talk to people who who basically do this for a living in the YouTube community and they can give me a better sense of what it's like and that it's, it really is a real job. There's no free lunch here anywhere in the world. I went to sat with Matt Santoro to talk to him a little bit about being a YouTube star and only being a YouTube star. All right, man, listen, I really appreciate you sitting down with me. Thank you, yeah. I'm kind of a fan. Okay. <laughs> so, so let me start out with a simple question. Sure. YouTube, this is your full-time job. Full-time job. You don't have other jobs? No other jobs. It's not like a part-time thing you do Hairstylist, on the side. Hairstylist, obviously, but yeah. yeah. But it's not something you do on the side or like, no. this is it. Yeah, this is it, man. This is, your, this is your core source of income. This is it. This is your career. Mm -hmm. this, what did you think you were going to be doing when you were younger? Oh, my God. I had no idea. That's why when I was in university, I spoke to my professor and I said, I don't know what I want to do. I just, I just want to make money. You know, you're a young kid. All I care about is money. He said, well, if you become an accountant... You can make good money. And I thought, oh, well, I like money. So I went into accounting and I got my master's degree. I did that for two years after spending five and a half years to get the master's. So seven and a half years of my life and I don't even use it anymore because right. now I make YouTube videos. But the genesis of that, if you're curious, um, was basically I got laid off. And when I got laid off, I decided to go all in on YouTube and give it a full try. Because up until that point, I had just been doing it on the weekends. But uh, I never thought that this would be what I was. I'd be what doing. was your? What were your first videos that you were doing on the weekends? Oh, they were uh, skits. They were comedy sketches. They were just me trying to make my friends and family laugh. Basically, I wanted to take what I did in high school, which is I was the class clown, and right. I loved making people laugh. And I wanted to bring that onto YouTube and just make more people laugh. Now, your first videos. Did anybody watch the first videos? A little bit. Uh, I mean, a couple hundred views there. Here and there, uh, you know, maybe 3,000 views on a good week. And so at the time, were you like, oh, my God, I'm 
popular, I have 3,000 views, or were you no. like, <laughs> I should stop doing this because I'm not getting any views? Or uh, Oh, yeah, well, the first part of the question, no, I, I, I saw what other people were getting, and I never thought that 3,000 views was very much, although I was grateful for them, because it's right. still 3,000 people watching, yeah. you know, if you think about that, it's a yeah. lot. But, um, what was the other? Well, it, did you think to yourself, like, okay, this isn't going to work, or like... Oh, that part, yeah. 100%. I, yeah, I definitely thought that it wasn't going to work. I, there were many videos, there were vlogs that I've done on my second channel where I said, I don't think YouTube's ever going to work. I don't right. know how it's going to work. Uh, because, you know, how can it? How, there's, no, there's no defined path. Um, so I, you know, I doubted myself many times, but I didn't give up, and I think that's why I'm still... Okay, but I just want to walk back to this moment now. So the first check you got from your YouTube videos was like how much? Oh, I think it was a couple hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you get laid off from accounting, Yeah. and you're like, well, I'm not really making much money on YouTube. I'm going to do this full-time so I can not make much more money like that doesn't seem like you maybe you were a good accountant either no no i well it's just like any first year i wasn't looking at it as a business but looking back if you look at it like a new business right a first year business always loses money second year probably loses money third year you might break even right so if you look at YouTube in that way, you can kind of expect to do the same thing. And that's it actually kind of lines up pretty closely to a traditional small business because it took me just over four years to start making money. And, and you stuck with it the whole time? Uh, yeah, but I only did it on the weekends. I didn't look at it as a business. I was just, it was f for fun for me. Right. Um, but but then, then once you didn't have another job, you went full time into it. When I, I, so what I was doing was, when I decided not to go back and do accounting, I uh, basically started shooting weddings to make ends meet, tried acting classes, I kept doing YouTube. I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted to do, I was lost. But I felt free at the same time because I felt like anything was possible, again, for the first time in my life in a long time. Now, okay, so what was the first big video that you were like, whoa, that's like a lot of people watching, this is now something that's counting? Yeah, uh, I think the first big video I had was a comedy sketch. I think it was called How to Start Off 2012 Right or something like that. It was a while ago. But it ended up getting like 600,000 views, which was unbelievable for me. And I don't even know how it got that, but it did. And then that was when I was like, wow, this, this might actually be possible. And so you, you kept developing your craft. Yep. And now, at this moment, this is all you do. You do it at a very high level. Mm -hmm. You have millions of subscribers. Yep. And you make a shit ton of money. Yeah. And it's like, what's the thing about being a YouTuber that most people don't understand? Um, you know, that, that's a really hard question because I think the world is, they get it now. I would argue the majority of people get it. I think the days are gone where you could say, oh, you can make money on YouTube? I think everyone gets it now. And I think the majority of people also understand that once you get to a certain level, you can make really good money. So it, it's hard to say. I guess it would be dependent on the individual. I think overall, though, is people underestimate the amount of work required to get to a level where you can make good money. Yeah. Because it is, it takes, a, <laughs> I mean, it, just, I mean, you could compare it to anything else. You know, if you want to be an actor in Hollywood, you know, it takes like, 10 years of, of, you know, acting classes and trying things out before you even get, you know, a solid role. Yeah. 
it's 10 years before you're an overnight success. That's exactly right. And, and YouTube is not that far off. Now, there are some situations where people go viral, right. but I never really had that. In fact, I had my first what I would call truly viral video literally a couple months ago out of seven years of doing this. Right. After I had already established myself. So, I mean, uh, just like anything else, you have to really, really want it and be willing to work your ass off for pretty much nothing for years. But then hopefully. eventually something, hopefully something will happen. And like, but do you recommend that to people now? Like if someone said, I really want to be a YouTube star, would you say, yeah, you're going to work your ass off and not make any money for a few years and then it'll hopefully come to something? What I tell people is if they want to be on YouTube and they want to be a star, I always tell them, do it for the right reasons. Don't do it because you want to be rich or you want to be famous. If those are your motivating factors, you will fail. Right. And the reason for that is because that's not what's going to push you through those long days of why am I doing this? Right. You know, you won't even ask that question if you really love it. You'll just do it because you love to do it. But if, if your motivating factor is money or, or success and fame, it's not going to come for years. So, but I see a lot of YouTube people mm -hmm. that have been putting YouTubes out for YouTube videos for years mm -hmm. that get like 120 views or 406 and they're acting in the YouTube video mm -hmm. like you would or anybody else mm -hmm. who's famous because you can tell that's what they want. That's the way they're yeah. speaking to their audience. Mm -hmm. And yet nobody's watching those videos. And that's kind of the sad thing is that not everybody's going to make it. I feel, I feel like where I'm at is a combination of hard work, luck, and opportunity. Right. You know, it's kind of like anyone else who's made it, you know? Like, you are where you are because of a combination of factors. And it's the same thing. And the only thing that hard work dedication does is it puts you in a position to take advantage when the universe finally says, okay, here's a shot, right? right? Because that may come, but if you're not working hard and you're not prepared for it, it'll pass you by. Yeah. Now, are you... Do you have, feel like you have job security? Like, do you wake up every day wondering if the next video is going to get less views and then two months from now, yeah. nobody cares about your videos anymore? Uh, no, but I don't think anyone does anymore. Right. Uh, I don't think that that's a unique trait to YouTube at all. Right. Um, Everybody's feeling like they're one bad email away 100%, from being out of their job. 100%. If you, I mean, take it from me. I got laid off with a master's degree and it had nothing to do with my performance. And it was that moment, I remember sitting across the table from Lady thinking, wow, it wasn't my performance, it was just the economy that went bad and you guys had to downsize and that's business. And I was like, I, that was that moment that I realized that I need to work for myself. And that's right. why I always tell everybody, you need to work for yourself. Even if it's not YouTube videos, work for yourself because the amount of risk that you'll face is not that far off from a nine to five. Right. Gone are the days where it's like, work a safe job for 40 years and retire with a pension and none of that just doesn't exist yes. anymore. It's all contract work. It's all temporary. It, it, you just work for yourself. Now, I always make a joke, thank God for reality TV because I have no other marketable skills. Like, you <laughs> I don't spend, you're a good looking dude. Uh, you're well-spoken. Oh, well, thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, but I do feel like you've spent now, how many years? Six, seven, seven. years on this? Seven years on this of very sort of career-building years. If the YouTube celebrity side of what you do started to wane and went away, what would you do next? What, what else is out there? 
Because now you're not a I mean, super master accountant. If you would have stuck in the accounting field, you'd be like, whatever the level of accounting is. Well, first off, I would never go back to accounting. Right, never. I, I mean, I would... Now that I've seen how the world actually works, right. and I've, I, I like to call it I've escaped the matrix, you know? I would never go back into the matrix, like, right. pl- literally plugging in and making money on a computer for someone else. So, if it, I, you know, I don't know, but I'm okay with that. Right. You have to be okay with the unknown, and you have to be okay with risk. And to, to be honest with you, I have no idea, but I have no doubt that I would find my way. Now, you're pretty famous. Like, people know who you are. The YouTube community is, like, pretty passionate. You have a lot of subscribers. You go to the conventions or whatever, and you get mobbed. I mean, Not it's, really. Com- I, okay, it's not PewDiePie level, but yeah. it's, like, it's up there. <laughs> yeah. But in the mainstream media side of it, it's, like, the YouTube sort of world, there's, like, a three or four, maybe, that people recognize in our media world. Yeah. But everybody else is... Nobody pays attention to that level of celebrity or the fact that you can speak directly to millions of fans mm-hmm. instantly, mm-hmm. whereas a TV show will get 250,000 viewers, and mm-hmm. those shouldn't be comparable. Why does the sort of YouTube celebrity and fandom not translate the same respect? I think it's a perception thing, and I think that perception's changing, but I think it's because <clears throat> the door or the barriers to entry are so low because anyone can do it, right. that you can upload a YouTube video and I can upload a YouTube video. And you might have no experience and I do this for a living and that's, that's why. Right. Because I think that traditional media doesn't understand it and traditional Hollywood is just starting to understand it. That's why you see music stars and traditional celebrities like Dwayne The Rock Johnson all these people are working with YouTubers because they realize, oh, they command the eyes now. Right. You know, and I think the next big push that you're going to see is is going to be news. I think you're going to see, with everything that's happening now, with people basically hating traditional news sources, you're going to see a massive rise in people going online for their news. And you already see it happening. Yeah. You see it in, on Facebook, people get their news from. You see it, you know, there are news stations on, on, on YouTube, uh, for lack of a better term, news station, news channel. Um, and these news channels are getting a million views a day. Anderson Cooper on CNN, yeah. he gets 100,000 viewers every night. Right. One YouTube video from one, from one of these guys, keep in mind all it is is them, a camera, and an editor. Right. And they get a million views. Anderson Cooper is part of a billion-dollar corporation spending major money to have him, and there's teams, and there's lighting, and there's building and overhead. Yeah. They, traditional news is on the way out, absolutely. It's a, it's a much tougher run. Now, so in, my, in, our, in our world, if you're a TV star, you want to be a movie star. If you're a reality TV person, you want to be a real TV person. If you're a YouTube person, do you want to get into real TV? I think the, the appeal that was once there is not there anymore. Um, TV is really changing to the point where people are watching YouTube on their TV now. They're watching Netflix. They're not watching cable anymore. However, I would absolutely be interested in doing a Netflix show or a YouTube Red series or something on, like, you know, HBO or one of the big networks. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's a, I'm always looking to expand for sure. Yeah. yeah. And do you, like, what's the hardest part about your job and your gig right now? 
I'd say the isolation. Because I'm always, like before you guys got here, I was working. There's no one else in here. You know, it's me writing scripts, shooting my own videos, and it can get lonely at times, but I'm actually working really, really hard to be around people more because it just, I, it can be depressing to, to sit and, 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 you know, like you guys probably, you know, if you have a small operation, you know how it goes. You just kind of, you're sitting there answering emails and it's like, you need people around and like, it, I think it's important to have people around. So I'm going to start doing more skits, shooting it, doing more fun things with people around and, uh, and doing more things here in Hollywood, you know? Yeah. Like, I want to start hiking to the Hollywood sign and meeting people and going to events, and I'm doing that. And it's been, it's been much better since I've been forcing myself to sort of surround myself with people. But if you talk to any YouTuber, they'll all tell you that. Anybody that's a one-man operation, it gets lonely, yeah. you know? Because you're, you're sitting there and you're working, and, and you're working so hard that it's really easy just to, like, forget that there's other people, you know? And people... Is- do people sort of assume that what you do is easy, that you just make a video, throw it up there, and magic happens? I think some people do, going yeah. back to what we were saying. I, I think some people do, but I think that anyone, anyone who knows a basic amount about YouTube will understand that there's a lot of work that goes into most yeah. YouTube videos. Um, but honestly, I just tell people, it's like, if you think it's that easy, try Start it. A try it, yeah. really. Because like, there's so many people that are like, oh, you just upload videos, and, yeah. and you make all this money. It's like, okay... If it's that easy, do it. I encourage you to do it. I want you. If it's that easy, yeah. go make that money. What's well, stopping you? I think the scariest part is the feedback from the fans are direct. Whereas what I do is I make TV shows. I put them out there. The network puts them out. I can blame the network. I can blame the time yeah, yeah. slot. I can blame a whole bunch of things why things don't rate. Right. If you put a YouTube video out it's and it me. sucks, it's like it's you didn't. you know. And I'm, I'm terrified of that. I don't think anything I did anybody would like. And so I hide behind my sort of TV world. Yeah. And you're you're out there twisted in the wind if you put out something that nobody likes. Do you mm-hmm. notice that in some of your videos where they have way less? Oh, and you're yeah, like, sure, what the sure. hell just happened? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Like that happens all the time. Like I did a top ten list on uh, on Donald Trump. Right. And it got half the half the bar was dislikes. Uh, it also got a lot more likes than normal. But you know, I did a little parody at the beginning where I pretended right. to be him with a blonde wig, and I thought it was funny as hell. But it was during a time when that was a very sensitive <laughs> oh, yeah. topic. This okay. was before he got elected, so. Um, which is still crazy to say, but anyway, you know, it, it, it just is what it is. And, you know, if you compare it to art, let's compare it to art. Art is meant to be controversial. It's meant to invoke thought in your mind, right? It's meant to invoke an emotion or something. If you look at something and it doesn't do anything for you, I, to me, it, it hasn't achieved what it could have done, you know? So if I put out a video and someone laughs or they get upset or, or anything, anything that makes them feel something, that is what any artist does. And I think YouTubers are artists as well. I, I would totally buy that too. Yeah. They are. It's a very difficult gig. Matt, thank you for sitting down with me. I really thank appreciate you. it. I'm a big fan. It was Thanks, man. When are you starting your YouTube channel? I don't know. I'm scared of YouTube. So. <laughs> Let me know. Send yeah. it over my way. I I'm terrified. It no, it's all good. I really digged him. And his honesty was like super refreshing, which I really liked. Um, There's a couple of things that I never really thought of, right? So when you think about it, when you're pushing your content out there, what he said when he was like, he's kind of lonely in that sense, where it's like, it really is just him interacting with a screen and a computer. And it's not quite as social as it feels or looks when you're watching it. Like it's a social media, but it's like, it's really the guy's just in there cranking it out. Um, And I also thought it was kind of fascinating the way he described wanting to do TV and how he'd be open to TV and, 
and where that goes. That's definitely a pendulum that's been switching lately. You know, it was only a few years ago. I remember this great time when we, everybody in my business, we were trying to get these YouTube stars to come do TV and, you know, never really could get them to do it. And I actually had one of them who will remain nameless, um, basically said, go fuck yourself. He's like, why would I do TV for 5,000 an episode when I could stroll out of bed, uh, make videos of my own time in an hour and pull in a million and a half dollars a year. So with all due respect, go fuck yourself. So, but the, the pendulum's actually swinging the other way because now the YouTube community views TV as a medium to get eyeballs. What's crazy about that is they're actually looking to promote their core business, which is on YouTube. It used to be like, hey, you could, you could graduate from YouTube to TV. Now, no one's thinking that. They're thinking, hey, I just need to get more eyeballs and more promotion because my core business is on YouTube. And that's kind of like, that's a crazy sort of remarkable evolution. I think fancy lifestyles cost a lot of money. And when you're a YouTube star and you're 20 years old and all of a sudden you're making $6 million a year on YouTube. And so you buy yourself a house and you get a really nice expensive dog yeah. and a car and a whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, maybe you have a few YouTube videos that don't do as well for some reason. You've got a lot of bills to pay and you offer stability to them. All right, oh, our next guest is here. Now this is really cool. I will tell you, this place was buzzing when they found out he was coming. He is one of the most successful film and video creators on YouTube. Freddie Wong started years ago creating great sort of self-directed uh, special effects short form videos and they exploded. And now he's kind of like the go-to sort of almost godfather of this world. Um, 10 million subscribers and growing well over a billion and a half views. I think he's almost at 2 billion. And so he's going to come in the studio and sort of give us the lay of the land of the difference between being a creator that's only on YouTube um, versus being a creator that's sort of outside YouTube. So this is Freddie Wong. Excited, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Freddie Wong. I'm I'm pretty excited. I got to tell you, um, you know, in the line of work I'm in and mm. and doing this podcast, we've had a, a many a celebrity come in, mm. but very few times have I felt a buzz in this building <laughs> when Freddie Wong was coming on. I'm dead serious. People were like, "Oh my god, I'm so excited." I highly doubt that, but it's very it's flattering. 100 true, and it's because, <laughs> like I was saying in the in in the intro when we were getting started, is that. The connection to the audience mm. from the YouTube um, platform and what you do is so strong and so powerful that people really feel connected to YouTube stars and people in YouTube and what they're doing. And and you, no exception, they were mm -hmm. really excited. Now, I also think that obviously the level of creativity you bring and have done things more than just being a personality, but mm -hmm. people do really know you and what you do. No, that's always weird to me because you know, like, because you know, I, I grew up with blockbuster video, right. right? Like, I was yeah, we rent movies every weekend, so for me, it was always never like try to be in front of camera, try and be like a personality. I was always like, whoa, how are they doing these special effects? How are they doing these like, you know, explosions and stuff like that? I was always about wanting to be behind the camera. And it's yeah. just sort of weird, you know, quirk of history that you know I came up in a time where you were also kind of in front of camera as well. And you're kind of a personality in that sense. And that social media makes you accessible in a way that like traditional celebrity is not accessible. Right. right. Like in the same way, like that's to me, like the big difference is, is what I see even personally. And when you go to like something like, you know, video VidCon, the vid conventions for like, you know, sort of social media stars, 
in LA, you run into celebrities, right? And whenever you see like, oh, it's so-and-so, like, oh, it's Quentin Tarantino who's in this Thai restaurant with me, like, everybody goes into the same mode, which is like, oh, no, keep to yourself. Like, they don't want to be bothered, you know, that sort of thing. And it's it's interesting because when you look at the way people react to, like, sort of online personality types, it's a complete different, like, 180. It's like people walk up to them and they're just like, oh, my gosh, I love you. It's like they're right in your face. Well, and I think it's because there's a familiarity and proximity there that you don't get. You know, I think this, you've always we've always put celebrities off kind of in their own thing and they're accessible through their movies and like the yeah. tabloids and, and what have you. But. but I also think that speaks to my earlier point as well about the sort of layer of credibility. And I wanted to ask mm-hmm. you about that. Sure. Inside. Well, first, let's play the get to know you game a little okay, bit. Okay, sure. Because I want to go back to sort of like your first big video. What was the first big video that kind of hit for you that was like the quote unquote viral world? Well, so probably the first big viral video that we did was in 2010. It was around Christmas time. We had we had shot a video earlier in that year where uh, I, I basically put a GoPro like over my eye, and it was like a first person, like you know, first person shooters, like the right. gaming sort of whole thing. But it was like doing that, but in real life. Uh, and we shot it out in Minnesota uh, uh, with uh, uh, my uh, my, fr- my friend's property, uh, Brandon, and and we just ran around with like you know a, a GoPro and like shooting stuff and did like a little Call of Duty riff. And so it was a weird, almost experimental short yeah. film. Really, it was just kind of trying out because we were asking ourselves like, well, can we do like a first person thing by strapping like a GoPro on a helmet and putting right. it over your eye? Does that look any good at all? Right. So that was that was Christmas. And, and it was interesting because one of the things we learned is like if you by the way you want to one release something that you think might be good do it around Christmas time because everyone's off all the blog like you know yeah. people are off but they're all looking for content because about you know about eleven a.m. Christmas yeah. morning you're just like all right we're done with family I want to go look at internet videos right. and that that ended up working out really how well so that many, was the first one how sort of how many views did that one hit for you gosh I think that one is one of our most viewed videos I think it was within a couple days it was like five six seven million. Like it was just a lot because again it was like Christmas time nobody had anything to watch yeah. it was part of it I think it was a big part okay, of it so, and, and it was novel at the time and I want to wrap my head around this at the time yeah. do you have like a real job or like so well, how are you that paying time, the bills so at that time I was full time YouTube like doing YouTube videos as a full time thing so we had started doing YouTube videos early 2010 right. and the idea was okay I think we can do this we had talked to some of these other YouTube partners i.e. people who are, had the ability to put ads on their videos and we were right. like grilling them we're like how much are you making per video how much time do you put in like doing the math to be like okay great it turns out based on these you know back of envelope calculations if we are living in our crappy downtown loft right at the rent that we're paying we can actually do this full time if we commit to it and so, how many of you were there at that time so i was working with a, a friend of mine from college a guy named brandon lotch at yeah. the time so it was two of us and, and and we were just basically like all right let's go full-time into youtube oh and see God. if we can make this an actual but at that career. time like you're thinking it's got to be like what a couple thousand bucks a month you're going to try to piece together kind of thing yeah more or less well that was like the bare minimum right yeah. and for us you know so long as so long as we were you know happy with what we were doing right that i was fine with that right like because i think yeah. at the end of the day it's like right it's what i don't know where the quotes come from but it's like right like success is being able to just get paid for doing what you have done otherwise right. for free right so when we were doing that you know the way we saw it was one it was practice as filmmakers as as like visual effects guys and as filmmakers to be able to be like try things out and practice Got it. it like first and foremost that's you know like you 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 get internships for free to be able to just get that right and on top of that we had the benefit of being like oh maybe we can build an audience with this and we can support our rent so it's like at the end of the day like you know we're not expensive people so we're like perfect right. this is this is like the perfect intersection of being able to do what we want and not have to take another job and for then it. again so to be clear yeah from that moment on you made that decision 
to today, yeah. your full-time job is, is YouTube videos. It's YouTube videos. And, and now, of course, expanded, all the things sure. that have, yeah, have come yeah. to you from that. But, but it started from doing yeah, that's free right. online videos with ads on right. them, if you really, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. And, I know. And now, what are, you, what are your videos average when they go out now? So now it's different, actually. You know, I think now we're, we our heyday was really 2011, 2012. And I think a lot of it was that we were very unique at that you time. The, basically the original. Uh, so the, really, we were one of the originals, let's say We that. were definitely part of a, sort of yeah. this origin, sort of core group of, like, people who started off and started to kind of prove that, oh, you can actually yeah. make a living, you know, doing this. Miracle. So, you know, I think time, but times, but, you know, and that's the thing about the internet, too, which is crazy. It's like people always ask us, they're like, oh, like, what advice would you have, right, for somebody who wants to start out and be like, a YouTube star? And I was like, <laughs> you like, pick a different job. Well, yeah, because, like, well, my advice comes from 2010, right. and the environment of the internet was in right. 2010. Like, that's useless. That's like asking a film guy, like, how do you get into film? And it's like 1950. And these are 1940s, dude. Right. He's like, yeah, back before World War II, the way right. to get into film was it's like, that's and that's what it feels different. like right now. That's what it feels like right now because yeah. the internet changes every like three months, six months, some yeah. different thing. When we started, Reddit wasn't even a thing. When we started, Dig.com was like the site that people went to to get stuff. Amazing. And then in the time since, obviously, it's like nobody's even heard of Dig right. at this point unless you were around the internet at that time. You know what I mean? Um, all right, let me ask you a couple of tougher questions. Yeah, sure. the, the ones that I, I get a lot when I talk about YouTube. Because in, in my business, sort of the YouTube and the digital world is sort of like, I want to go produce for them, but there's mm-hmm. not enough money sometimes. And, well, and, a lot of times and, it's not enough and, money. Well, and the truth is, what, what all of us sort of conventional producers mm-hmm. don't like to say is that we're kind of dumb about what the public actually wants. Mm-hmm. And YouTube sort of presents this really kind of scary world where – if you put something out and nobody likes it, it's because nobody likes it. Whereas I have a, I have a, li- I could show you a list of excuses why a show doesn't rate. Right, 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 you right. You can't right. really make an excuse. So YouTube's really scary. But the question I have is, your career in this world and making videos and directing and, and sure, sure. has all been on YouTube direct to clients mm-hmm. that buy it directly. Is it because you didn't have enough of the skill at the time or the connections to make it in the conventional world mm-hmm, of mm-hmm directing filmmaking producing you know um Mm -hmm. special effects no for sure and i think that's and i think that's a totally legit question i'll say this so when we started we were doing direct to dvd like at that time direct to dvd sort of feature films because my my reasoning was as a producer of those it was look a bad movie and a crappy movie a, a crappy movie and a great movie Sure, there's a lot of different things that go into it, but you still have to figure out how much you're feeding everyone, right? Right. Like, all the mechanics of the producing is probably about the same, right? Like, at the end of the day, it's like the truck driver's got to get paid, the props need to be – all that stuff is, like, the same. It doesn't matter. So I was like, okay, this is a good way for me to, like, learn how to do it. And and, in film school at the time, because I graduated USC Film School in 2008, and at the time it was still – people were talking about um, you have to get a indie feature into Sundance, get into the festival circuit – get picked up from there like that was still the sort of like the route to the, the route to being a director specifically right and what was interesting about that was like i remember graduating being like who who in the last like five years have done that and there was like two or three people and i was like this doesn't seem like a thing like this, this seems like a myth that we're all kind of like trying to make these like indie features for but like not a lot of people are really that's not the path that a yeah, lot of people are taking you know yeah um although that was the mythology right so at the time, it was like, okay, well, here's how, you know, the question was like, okay, I want, I want to do this, so what's the path that we should take? And 
my theory is always like filmmaking is a craft in that it's like guitar play or something like that. And like, I, you know, you meet a lot of people in film school who are like, or writers or directors who are like, I'm going to come out with my first feature and it's going to be this amazing thing. It's like, it's just as ridiculous as talking to somebody who's never picked up a guitar before. Right. And then like my first album is going to sell out. And you're just like, well, maybe, but like you got to practice scales before yeah. you get good at guitar, you know? And you got to sit there, you know, in the woodshed and just, you know, drill scales. And it's like, what is the equivalent of that? For, for, for YouTube, for, for filmmaking. And for us, it was like, well, you know, I, I, you know, I'd heard like Robert Rodriguez talks about how he had made like 200 short films that no one will ever see because he made them on VHS tapes with his cousins growing up. Right. And that was like a, a big part of sort of his skill set before he went into his first project. And for us, we're like, well, YouTube gives us that opportunity and we can support ourselves and we get a chance of maybe building up an audience. That was the other side of it, too, is in film school, you're looking at guys like Kevin Smith and you're like, dang, he can pretty much make a movie and he'll have a group of people who are down for what he's doing right he right. has that built-in audience due to his sort of previous you know entries Success, in his yeah. career and we're like well maybe we can get that if we are known to people as like filmmakers first like a, maybe uh, you know taking youtube was a way of kind of trying, trying to sidestep that and, and build that up so at the time it was very much a self-conscious choice to be like all right this is going to be our woodshed this is going to be where we're going to practice this is where we're going to try to develop stuff and as time has gone on it's obviously bloomed into this whole different separate thing right so i can't say for sure you know at the time i turned i turned down the job doing a, like a direct-to-dvd feature uh, to be a director and i was like well i don't want to do that i want to try this other weird Got thing it. that seems to be interesting so i don't know so the, the, the fact is i don't know and i think what's interesting is when you look at a lot of youtube stars the fact is a lot of them are not coming from that coming to that from a film yeah. traditional mentality even right i think it's very easy for us to always recontextualize new technology based on what's existing so when theater so when film first came out everyone was like oh it's like theater because that's the thing that we have so they were shooting it like you know wide proscenium like just record a play essentially tv comes out it's like oh this is like film and internet comes out it's very easy very it's it's very tempting to be like oh this is just like mini movies or mini television it's like well i don't think so i think it's a totally new weird different thing because yeah. i look at everybody who got into it and have found a lot of success in it more success even than myself coming at it from even sort of a more traditional bend the people who have really taken advantage of that did not grow up watching you know like going to, to the movies and wanting to be a, a director or yeah. a movie star they grew up in a lot of cases. A lot of these guys stumble into it. They start making just dumb videos with their friends, and they saw that people are watching. Like, and they, you know, and they saw that people liked it, and they sort of built a career out of it. A lot of people now, this generation is just happening. Is people who have grown up having seen YouTube people have been like, "This and is that's what, what I want to do." Yeah, which they is crazy. It's a totally different genre because you look at the celebrity, and it doesn't necessarily translate too. Yeah. That's the difference too. Because I think it's tempting to be like, "Oh, well, like these guys aren't good actors." It's like you're right. A lot of them are not good actors. Right. They're good something else. And the problem is, I think over here we don't quite realize or know how to slot in something else into something that can make money for other people. That's right. what's scary about it. So you have a lot of people who they can make a lot of money for themselves. You have like yes. these gaming personalities who sit there and they can play video games and they have millions and millions of people who follow them and they can make tons of money for themselves. But if you look at like Hollywood as a whole, the people who is the people who are who are lauded are the people who can also make money for other people, <laughs> right? Everybody else, can like James Cameron, everyone loves him because it's like, yeah, you made Titanic and Avatar, and, and all we're this all rich it. from it, exactly. Yeah, and that's what's weird about trying to slot in this YouTube world into it because these people fundamentally don't necessarily translate across yeah. that because they reach the audience directly. So, do you have insecurities about your sort of the future of what you do, or even the sort of the level of skill and success that you've had, like? Do you feel like you should be doing more conventional stuff, or do you feel like this ride could end, and where will you be? Like, yeah, are so, you like the rest of us that have insecurities <laughs> about everything? Well, so uh, here's where the insecurity comes from. It's it comes from very consciously realizing that 
that I'm no longer in as much in tune with like what the younger generation is watching and that very much feeling like there's a huge shift going on in oh. how people are watching things right you have an entire generation of people who grew up and they don't have to they've never watched a tv commercial and they really don't care and they'd rather skip it and if they see a tv commercial they're going to open up a new tab and chat with their facebook friend like so if the entire like television industry has like deep roots in advertising what happens when these like what happens now when everyone know. older dies and these people fill like you know right like yes you only get older everyone only gets older and every, the eventual end point is everyone dies yes so like as time goes on, is th these people can be more and more percentage of like the viewing public as a whole. And the thing that I think the thing that I take comfort in is like I think that fundamentally because you have to hold on to some things. You have to believe in some things in this environment because you otherwise you're going to be like some. And I've seen people do this. I've seen people throw themselves into this this wave of just like what's the new hot thing? We got to make these types of videos. We got to stay in front of it. What's the new hot platform? Are we on Snapchat? We got to make Snapchat. Is this gaming now? We got to make a gaming show. I've seen people just go just always try to stay in front of that trend and you're going to get run over it, by yeah. it eventually the thing that we always like have held to is we think that narrative storytelling at the end of the day narrative storytelling still is something that people want to engage with i don't know how they engage with it i but i do know that they do want to they do right. want a well-told story well-told serialization like all that stuff is important because I think that's fundamentally human in some way, shape, or form. Storytelling to me is like fundamentally human. So the technology changes, the way we access it changes, but that's what we hold on to. And that's where we put our eggs like in, th in, that, in that basket, basket. and trying to be better and better at that side of things. But over the last few years, once you achieved that sort of heyday of success, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. were you in your mind sort of deep down being like, this is going to lead to big commercial features. And no, I don't think so. That, because was it, that not your plan or that was your hope or did you always... I think it was always... always think you wanted to it always out. felt separate is what it is, right? Because like, right. I think the thing that we always talked about is like a lot of people at first are like, oh, this is going to be the stepping stone. If you look at a lot of the articles around 2010, 2011 about YouTube, people were saying this is where the next Spielberg is going to come from. Right. And even at that time, we're like, I don't know because I look around and it's not the same thing. It's like... Right. It's where the next, I don't know what it is. I, there's no word for it, right? And the what's next Freddie Wong's coming from. That's, <laughs> yeah, by maybe. the way, to be fair, you know, people on the other side, mm. like, we look at what you do and go, oh, my God, I wish I could do that. Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have insecurities about that side of the business mm -hmm. being like, how does this guy, how can he, everything he does work and he can put all this stuff together. I know for a fact if I went out to try to make what you do, it would flop and not work. And that's terrifying for a creative person who's supposed to be able to do things at a really high level. Mm. And I'm just like, at every level, I wonder if everybody shares but that see, same insecurity. Well, but see, here's, here's what's interesting about that, right? Because, and this is something that I've been thinking a lot about, which is, what do we, we measure success on the internet side of things with, with metrics that talk about views yes. and, and, and retention rates and the, the, all the stuff that they care about. It measures specifically eyeballs. And you hear that all the time. It's like, oh, you got a lot of eyeballs on this or what have you. But the more I think about it, the more I think eyeballs is a useless way of measuring things. It's actually not as important these days. And we talk about, you know, to talk anatomically, like what's more important is hearts, right? So like eyeballs are cheap, but the problem is we can only measure because like you, we look at a lot of our videos, like these viral videos or, or, or these days, how many times have you seen some cool thing on Facebook? You shared it with your friends and like, I bet you in a week you were not going to remember what you shared on Monday with your friends on Facebook. Right. It's disposable. It's in that moment. It's interesting. It sparks something, some emotion, something like, oh, I want my friends got to see this. You're sending it off. But at the end of the year, you're not remembering that, right? You, you'll remember the Game of Thrones plot twists and the mm. moments from there, but you're not remembering all the things you share. 
but that's views. But the things that, right, like Charlie Bit My Fingers got more views than Game of Thrones does. Yes. But Game of Thrones got more hearts than Charlie Bit My Finger did. Like, well, Charlie Bit My Finger may be a bad example because I think everyone loves that video to some uh, extent. But my point is like, I know exactly. the kinds of we quick, were talking about this. Yeah, the kinds of quick things like that, like that don't last. But the problem right. is how do we measure? How do we measure? How do we put value on it? The way we're putting value on everything is just views but that, i think that's a shallow metric it doesn't tell right. you anything about it it just tells you the only thing it tells you is in that moment did it cause you to want to share it with someone right that's really it and when you look at that when you look at like the the, the you know the most viral videos of all time one of which was the most shared of all time was if you remember uh the free uh, the coney 2012 video yes. which was like oh this guy this african warlord we gotta go after him that was one of the most shared videos of all time but who can like who's even talking about that or even remembering that now right. yeah and it's, it's, it's one of those things where it was it was popular and it got shared because it gave you like this dopamine hit of like, oh, I'm doing something good for the world by sharing this. That was like literally the message of the video. It's like share this with your Facebook friends and you'll do your part by raising awareness about this guy. And we're right. Gonna get and it. everybody felt good about but that. But you felt good about that. So it's literally like you click on this and you feel good. Like, fantastic. Great. But that, that, does that mean that's something that's use? Is that something that's worthwhile? Is that something you want to hang right, on so to? I don't think so. Let me ask you the core question. Sure. Is... You are a perfect example. If you combine all the views mm -hmm. that you've had and the people who have seen your videos, shared your videos, liked your videos, know you, know who you are, come out to see you, you're a large bankable celebrity in any sort of metrics that you look at. doesn't matter what metrics. Mm -hmm. However, mm -hmm. the YouTube community mm -hmm. and the YouTube sort of celebrities do not have the same sort of credibility outside of the direct to yeah. the fan connection yeah. which is very strange because on my side of the business in conventional tv conventional movies right 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 that translates it's like the only thing that matters is how many people can you get in the door to give you money or or right. watch your show like we're doing the same metrics and we don't do it anywhere near as well and you have somebody on a tv show that gets a few hundred thousand mm -hmm. viewers and you'll get millions and you get mobbed yet for some reason is it that the conventional media world is thumbing their nose at it we don't understand it we're scared of it why don't you get the same level of credibility here's, as any other person that's been able to connect to an audience like that? here's here's what i think it is it's that and so i'm gonna speak just broadly and then yeah. sort of get to sort of my my example specifically but i think broadly when you look at a lot of sort of the, the the youtube stars i think the temptation was to try and do what snl did to the comedians in the 80s and how the industry as a whole, right? Like, the 80s is when you... Right, the, the, the movies that came from the SNL sort of cast, the Blues Brothers and, yeah. the, and the Hobby, those were all people being like, oh, comedians can be movie stars. That was the kind of, like, realization. It was like, oh, this guy who does stand-up comedy, turns out he's great on screen. We can turn him into a movie star. We, we can plug him into a system that makes money for other people. Ooh. For a lot of examples of YouTube stars, it doesn't work that well. Like, you see... And, and, I've done it i've tried it yeah. it doesn't work because you have people who are like okay let's put him in as an actor and you're like this guy's not a good actor and it just right. doesn't work but in their own context in their own universe and that's where really kind of what, what it starts to feel like is that you start to feel like oh these are own sort of different universes and it doesn't cross over as well and as easily as it did for say comedians in sort of the snl era for us you know i think that it's it's for us what it feels like is it feels like the youtube side of things did not give us any credibility from the get-go it literally feels like when i go out and like we we haven't done a feature film yet and i think when i go out and we you know we're working on one right now but i think when we go out and put out a first feature film everyone is going to think about it as 
this is like a first time director's feature film. Right. right. Because it's like they don't they don't see that like it doesn't count. Like the stuff right. you do on YouTube is just such a different universe. It's not quite like it's not building in the same way, right? And I think that unfortunately for us, just you know, I think to some extent we get lumped in with the rest of quote unquote, you know, sort of like YouTube and, and yeah. social media personalities. Yes. Which is, you know, again, it's 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 just your people's brains just taking the shortcut and being like, ah, you're right. Like no one's gonna sit there and be like, ah yes, but hold on, there's nuance within this community. And it's like, no, yeah. nobody cares about it. It's nobody like cares it's about online that. social people, they talk to millennials, like we get it, like we think we get it, like that's it. So a lot of times it feels like what we do what we're doing on youtube i i know that again as a director as a creative person like immensely helpful in fact that only helps and to me it's like i feel like i have an unfair advantage because when i do my first feature i'm not really doing my first feature but i get judged on oh this is their first feature film right but it's like well no really like i've had a lot of experience behind the camera working with actors doing all the sort of again playing scales right yeah. as a director luckily going into that so i think time will tell you know i think that for us what we try to do is we try and not just speak to our core audience only. I think a lot of people, they can survive off of that and they're just fine speaking to like, you know, their core audience. And, and I think you see that in so many mediums. I think what you're seeing overall is that the idea of like mass media and a whole bunch of people liking something is just starting to disappear. You're getting more niches, but the difference is the niches are a lot bigger than you think, yeah. right? The, the experience that's like universal for anybody who's like a social media person is they, they might be somewhere and someone will recognize them and they'll look around and like everyone else on the train or on the bus or whatever is just like, who the hell? is this guy like, right. like, like it, 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 i've literally had like moms come up to me and be like i'm sorry my son says yeah it's he really into you and i guess what do you like, do? Yeah, yeah exactly it's just like they have no clue which is which is fine but i think that's true for a lot of things right like you look at the way because it's a natural sort of outcropping of like when you have so much stuff that you can consume yeah, and you can choose harder. whatever you want it's like dude i can listen to a podcast that's like a really weird specific podcast that might have ten thousand listeners but that's enough to support that thing. Whereas in the past, right? It's like if you were a band that could only get 10,000 people to come listen to you or buy your album, you're not a band anymore, right? right. Like it's not enough to support the infrastructure. But now that there's no infra infrastructure, you can have like, yeah, I'm really into these this band or like this podcast or these shows and it's only online and it's like, I might run. It, I might not never run into anybody who knows it in my day to day. But, but that's okay. But it's fine because they can do their thing. They're able to support themselves and I like it. So. Yeah. And I think you see more and more stuff like that. It's not just, you know, sort of mass media anymore. Now, Roxy, yeah. why are the people in the building, are they so excited to see Freddie? And he was a guest, but not some of our other celebrities. Like, why do people feel so connected to the YouTube guys in those? Aside from my shockingly well, good looks. I, I think yes. there's a couple of reasons. Number one, we're a younger studio. So I think That's, there's a lot of people that grew up with the YouTube generation. Yeah, You're yeah, a YouTube yeah. god. You walk in. That speaks to somebody differently than somebody who maybe is of the older generation or fair, who yeah. is a TV movie. But it's definitely true. There was a lot of murmuring like, oh, God, <laughs> Freddie Wong coming in. Freddie Wong, rocket yeah. jump. No way. Uh, so that was definitely happening. But I am curious because yeah. I feel like there is a little contradiction here. And I yeah, wonder yeah, yeah, if you yeah. clear it up for me. Of course. So you're talking about how you're not a first-time director going into this feature, but you mm. also talk about how it doesn't necessarily translate the work that people do on YouTube and moving that over to either acting or directing. Yeah, so yeah. how does that work? So I think, so to be specific, I think when, when I say stuff doesn't translate, I think I'm spe speaking specifically to like in front of camera skill stuff. I think that, cause that's the, that's the tendency right now is that you don't, when you look at the sort of glut of like social media stars, you don't necessarily look at them and say this person's a producer or this person's a director. You see a lot of potential actor actresses, and then for the most part, that's how they've been used. Whether it be random cameos in shows or movies, or they, you know, they're doing small scale sort of feature films for themselves. In a weird way, it's a little bit like they're using a lot of sort of YouTube folks are getting used. Like I kind of liken it to like mini scale Tyler Perry stuff, where it's like right. Tyler Perry movies 
kill for his demographic and his and his world, and they make a lot of money for that demographic, and he's able to support himself and build a you know ridiculous studio yes. in Atlanta for it. But the general critics are panning his movies. You know, most people in L.A. I would argue are just like, yeah, ah, whatever. I don't care about that. To take that sort of niche sort of thing and shrink it down, that's what you get with a lot of I think these YouTube stars. I I will say like you have blown my mind with the the clearest statement of this that that I never thought of before is they make money for themselves mm-hmm. and there's nobody else that can really glom onto that it's very mm-hmm. hard and it's like I'm my brain is going through all the psychology around that and I'm realizing like that is why it's harder for Hollywood in general to to latch onto this because if they can't all get rich from your celebrity right then they don't give a crap about your celebrity right and so it changes the dynamic instantly, whereas a movie star, everybody gets rich. A TV yeah. show, everybody gets rich. A YouTube celebrity, how does anybody else monetize that? Right, exactly. And that's, that's really interesting because I've always wondered, because I, like I said, I sort of look at the YouTube stars and I have sort of a real admiration for that sure, because sure. I recognize how difficult that is. And when I did my first film, and my second one on Pokemon Go, like mm-hmm. it was so nerve wracking because I knew like I'm gonna put this up on YouTube, mm-hmm. and like, what if people don't want to watch it? Like it's it's the end of it, you know. And and I was so excited when it hit half a million views. Yeah, I yeah, literally yeah, yeah. like I was peeing my pants. I was so excited. <laughs> and then of course my pet turkey viral video hit 60 million in like a week and it's like oh right my entire career like <laughs> and one video changed it and, it and it's so hard to tell but now i sort of get a better idea of why the establishment doesn't connect to that yeah. world as I mean, much i mean i mean mark my words the moment that they can figure out a way to extract money from that yes it's, it's a different game it's a like, different it'll world. be it'll be like a floodgates opening yeah. you know what i mean now what I have to assume, as all the people I talk to that are big in this YouTube world, that the job that you do now is much harder than it was before. Yeah, you, it's different. It, it's it's different. harder to is it is it harder to make the same living on YouTube? Is it harder to get the same number of views? Is it so? Is yeah, now the competition. So, fun, so fundamentally, uh, like like to give sort of the broad like economic sort of like look at it. Fundamentally, when it started, it was okay. Google has AdSense. It's the same engine that that powers their text ads on Google Search and stuff like that. They're like, okay, we're going to apply this to video. We're going to get people to pair. We're going to pair up video ads at the beginning of that. And a lot, of, and it, it, that's enough, I think, to support, you know, again, if you're making relatively popular stuff, it's enough to support one or two people. And we're a little bit, you know, we're a lot bigger than that, you know. Yeah. Uh, as time went on, it was at, what we saw was the advertising industry was like, oh, maybe this is a way that we can reach this millennial audience. Let's try and do, let's partner up with these guys specifically and then go in that route. That was generally true sort of during our heyday. And as time has gone on, the thing that's changed is that brands, advertisers, et cetera, they're like, oh, wait, wait, wait. We don't want to work with some popular Facebook or YouTube star. We should just build our own Facebook page and our own social media and our own YouTube channel. So a lot of it then just starts to tw- twist around to like, oh, well, okay, we should just build it for ourselves then. So they're, right. they're starting to recognize, oh, the, they're starting to recognize, oh, it's not enough to just get someone else to like help us out. We should build our own presence. And that's changed a lot. And what's funny is that talking to, I have a friend, you know, a couple of friends in the commercial producing world, and they're saying, it's like, what's crazy is at the end of the day, what they're making is they're like, yeah, I'm doing a TV spot for, you know, some car company. They're like, yeah, it's like pretty much a TV commercial, except the budget's 10 times less just right. because it's online. But it's like, but functionally, this is <laughs> yeah. the same. 
exact yeah. same thing. Yeah. But they're like, oh, yeah, but it's online, though. So they, they go from, you know, a million-dollar budget to a $100,000 budget. Right. right? Like, it's just a totally different way of looking at at that. And I think that, that that sort of side of things, the way that commerce and the way that uh, money is, 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 is made in the advertising side of things is evolving. And it's evolving quite a bit because I think what you've seen in the last year is in addition to brands wanting to get in on that and like partnering up and doing commercials, you also are seeing people now reaching out directly to fans. It started with Kickstarter. It's now going to like sites like there's a site called Patreon, which is basically like be a patron of me. Give me five bucks a month and I'll be making videos and you can support me. And there's examples of, you know, again, not gigantic organizations, but individuals doing niche things. Like, you know, I think one of my one of our favorites is this guy. He does like, you know, like like, like D&D, like you have those yeah. like plastic models. Like he just paints them. He gives tutorials, like video tutorials, like how to paint them. Here's the colors you should use. Here's the brush techniques. He's able to support himself as uh, he's he was able to quit his full time job as a teacher. And then now he's doing that full time as just a painting tutorial dude. Like he turned his hobby into his vocation it's in a weird way. But see those, so you see a lot of those examples of individuals being able to do that because at the end of the day, an individual to support themselves is not that hard. An organization right. to support itself is a is, little bit more yeah, difficult. Oh, yeah, I know it well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, my last question. Yeah. Tell me that you have the same neuroses that I do on this stuff. <laughs> when you put out a video, oh yeah, and it goes live. Oh yeah. Oh, you sit are there. And, you, oh, you're sitting there like half a day, you're just sitting there refreshing and re oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It is the mo I don't know what it is. There's like there's gonna be a word for it, but it is like when you put it up and you just sit there and you scroll and you read the comments, it's it's like detached. God, you feel that way. Oh, it's a hundred percent. Okay. Like we put up a Kickstarter. It literally for the first project that we ever did, we did, you know we did a show called Video Game High School. We put up a Kickstarter for it. The like the first two days of putting it up, there was nothing that happened in the office. It was literally everyone being like, oh look at look at how much it's up now. Right. Every time you refresh, it goes. Well, it's like, I, I remember it's, this for the movie yeah, too. You yeah. can't, you can't avoid that. And so, when a when a video you put up doesn't click through as fast as your normal, does it freak you out? Well, see, I think that, that that's where experience has helped us because we were again, we are we've stepped off of that because it was killing us personally. Right. But we were at a point where we were doing a new video every week. Right. And a new video every week meant an all nighter every week to finish it because we, again, we take each of our shorts we take through essentially a full film post production. It is Got it. Shoot, edit, lock, sound mix, color correct, everything. Like we do the whole you know, music composition, the whole thing for it. So when something didn't hit, it was like, sure, great, we have to get the next one out. It was immediately to the next thing. And we didn't have time to sort of dwell on just that single thing. Like, ah, oh, this didn't go and sort of overanalyze it. We were just like, sure, I guess that didn't work. Whatever. We're going to try something else next week. And it's gonna, it. always going to be something else that we're pushing ourselves forward. And that helped, I think, get past, I think, a lot of, a lot of times where it's like, you know, you get bummed out by something that you thought would go and it doesn't. It's like, well, you got something else you got to do next week, you know? Well, listen, Freddie, I really appreciate you of coming. Of course. In. Thank you for you having a great me. Great addition to the well, I'm not a YouTube star <laughs> as you are. And I really learned something. My mind is still blown. I know. Oh, good. All yeah. right, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Wow, 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 wow. Freddie Wong. That dude is super, super gifted. Um, now, full disclosure, I have to tell you, I have been working actually a lot with people in his world the YouTube world. And this guy like has impressed me more than most of them. He and I are actually working on a new project. Uh, it's a TV thing, which is kind of cool. And he's been like ridiculously good, which is pretty cool. Um, but the one thing that he said that still has my mind blown and like, I'm just trying to think how to process all this is it may be the key to the YouTube versus the Hollywood studio connection. And that is, like he said, the fact is, is that those things are complete worlds of people making money. 
And in YouTube, those creators are only doing themselves. If you look at a TV show, look, look, look at an average hit TV show or a really great hit TV show like a CSI or something like that or something a film studio does, they literally support thousands and thousands of people. The people make a living off of this and a whole pile of people get very, very, very rich. Uh, now, I'd love to ask my co-host about this, but she stepped out. That's a little bit of emergency. I think everything's okay. But look who stepped in. Garrett. Garrett Greco, my producer extraordinaire. Freddie Wong, I know you're a huge, huge fan. He had this giddy look when he was coming in. Does that, now that he explained that, what do you think about that? Well, I guess I thought what was most interesting is uh, how much storytelling Freddie Wong actually uses. You know, when, first, when YouTube first came out, um, nobody was really looking at it as a real viable tool for storytelling but you look at the stuff that he's doing and uh, you look at it the translation actually to linear television from just a storytelling standpoint you know maybe it's not the same um, uh, economics at this point but it is just a very interesting world to to play in yeah i, I get what you're saying it's it is the same economics technically but it's really not like that's what's this is i, I wasn't thinking like this at all this is what's sort of has come out of nowhere for me is like, I, now I sort of understand where the difference is between mainstream Hollywood system and the YouTube social media world. And I, and I've been struggling with trying to figure out how those things connect, you know what? And let's just jump right in. Let's do the little bit of like, well, you know what I've learned and what I'm not. So let me, you go first, Garrett, tell me what it is that you have learned about YouTube. Because by the way, you are in kind of control of our digital side of our company. I hope you learned something. But uh, the, the main thing I think to take away from this, and I'll, and I'll let you explain, is that Hollywood is a huge conglomerate system of everybody making money. Advertisers and movie theaters and TV stations and everybody's connected to this and they all have a vested interest in success. Even when the ratings are literally non-existent it doesn't matter everybody's playing whereas youtube guys get millions and millions of views and nobody's getting rich off it except the guys behind the in front of the camera doing the videos that's a weird disconnect well i think you just have to look at where the economy as a whole is going it's going more towards an entrepreneurial economy look at the retail sector and what's happening to them and people are now selling clothes online it's the same kind of concept where you don't need a giant studio to finance your big idea. You can go out and do it yourself. And if you are successful, like a Freddie Wong, you can get a group of people together and start your own company, essentially. That's a good point. I get that. I don't know how that helps us in our company. So that's really all I wanted you to do was learn something for that. But. Well, you look at our team. Our team is, is a small group and we're fairly nimble. And the whole idea behind that, the strategy behind that was so that we'd be a really lean operation. And you look at any company today, that's what they're moving towards. <laughs> we're really nimble. That's the way you describe us. And we're small because of a strategy. This is your eye. See, I like that. That's a great spin. Everybody, my company's the size it is because of a lean and nimble strategy. The fact is, as soon as I can get some more money in, I'm going to blow the company up till it's super bloated and overhead everywhere and it's top heavy. That's the idea. That's the Hollywood way. That's what I'm looking for. So um, you cracked me up, Garrett. And you stood, you know what? You're good standing as a co-host today. So I appreciate that. Um, all right. Here's the deal. Here's what I've learned. It's, it's a complicated world in the media business. If you're at home watching YouTube, watching TV, going to the movies, you feel like it's all very similar. It's a screen. 
and the content is being distributed and it's going to find its way to one of your screens and the delineation of the storytelling or the style or the production value gets closer and closer. And so as an audience member, you don't really care that much, but Hollywood cares and the business cares. And that's why it's a slow transition. That's why the mainstream media and people magazine and all of these sort of pop culture industries don't really dive into the YouTube community. They're not pulling celebrities out of there and bringing them into the mainstream because nobody's connected to that world. It's everybody for themselves in YouTube land. And there's no grips and lighting people and distributor people and international um, conferences that people are making millions of dollars and think about the ad revenue and all of the things that come along with that stuff and the people that work in the offices and the buildings that CNN has a huge building. Viacom has a gigantic building and there's hundreds of people doing jobs that you've never even heard the names of. And that's all based on TV programs that get a few hundred thousand viewers, but the industry is built around them. And one of the two things is going to happen. Either the industry will figure out how to layer their enormous infrastructure and their vested interest into the direct-to-the-consumer social media world or the social media direct-to-consumer world will figure out how to layer a massive bloated infrastructure over that and make a whole bunch of extra people money and then the whole thing will go down the drain. No, I don't know. Maybe that's how it works. Who knows? It's hard to say. But with Apple and Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and all of these direct-to-consumer people getting involved you wonder which way it's going to pull will we all have to go leaner in hollywood or will they get bloated like us that will be the thing to be talking about five and ten years from now so um as garrett knows he doesn't want anybody to find him but i know roxy if she was here she would tell you she's everywhere at, at roxy stryer and i am of course everywhere at brand Pimvidic. and if you like the podcast please go on itunes give us those five stars nothing less than five stars will do of course um, give us a little review and we're all at why I'm not.com. This has been the why I'm not podcast. I'm Brad Bimbidic. This was why I'm not a YouTube star. You've been listening to the why I'm not podcast with your host, Brant Pinvidic. For more on this episode, upcoming episodes, or more from our podcast guests, visit why I'm not.com and subscribe for exclusive content, giveaways, and all the latest happenings. And for even more content, visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I shut them down.